You're listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry at First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarvale, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarvale, Kansas, 67024. If you got a Bible, go to... Acts chapter 18. We're continuing our study through the book of Acts. Um, last time we got together, um, last, by the way, everybody had enjoyed last week, Frank, and man, I just enjoyed Frank and his ministry being here. I mean, he's a dear friend, dear brother. Um, I'll talk about more of this later in the message, but man, just a great weekend last weekend. Saw a total of 13 um, folks make a decision or, or profession of faith. So we, we were excited about that. And so we're, we're thankful and praying for, for that. But the, the last time we were together and we were studying the book of Acts, we were finishing up chapter 17 and we saw um, that Paul preached in Athens on Mars Hill and he talked about the unknown God to the people that were gathered there in Athens. And he proclaimed the gospel and said, this, this unknown God that you worship, his name's Jesus, and he's the one who made the entire world, the entire universe, and, and you, should, you need to, to repent and submit your lives to Jesus. And so that's where we ended. And today we're going to see in chapter 18 where Paul, he's now in Corinth. And so we're gonna, I'm just going to read a couple of verses and then we'll just unpack. So we'll start in chapter 18, Acts chapter 18, starting in verse 1. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native to Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. And because Claudius had commanded all of the Jews to leave Rome, and he went to see them, and because... He was of the same trade. He stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. So we'll stop there and continue on here. But Paul's now in Corinth, and I want to give you guys a little history on Corinth this morning. Um, This was a leading political and economic center for the world. So it was, the, it was a hub. It was, there was a lot of things happening. It was a melting pot of people. It was a cultural hub. There was just a ton going on in this place. Virtually all traffic between north and southern Greece had to pass through this particular city. So there was a lot happening. A lot of commerce, a lot of trade, a lot of political capital was here. Um, so this city was a cultural melting pot of different peoples and different phil- uh, philosophical belief systems. There was a, a myriad of temples and places to worship in the city. One of the temples that, that, that we, we see in this city um, was a temple to Aphrodite. She was the goddess of love, beauty, and pleasure, and procreation. So you can just imagine what kind of temple that was. Not, not one you take the kids to. Um, this was a temple that was... Uh, it was, it was shady, to say the least. Um, but this is, once again, the deceptive nature of what sin is. When we don't worship, like I said, when, when God created us, he created us to worship 
him. And if we're not worshiping Jesus, we're going to worship something. And this is what um, this particular group of people were worshiping was the female form and procreation. And, and listen, I don't know. I don't care what you say in America today. That's that's a God we worship. That's a God we worship. And man, it's it's to our own demise. Um, so Paul walks into this environment and he preaches the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, how it can set men free from their sin and their self and their past and how they can be completely set free. And we meet in particular, we meet Priscilla and Aquila in this text. They become really close friends with Paul. They are co-laborers and help spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, in Romans chapter 16, verses 3 through 4, Paul mentions this couple again. He says, greetings, or, or greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risk their lives for me, not only I, but all the churches in, in the, of the Gentiles, and I'm grateful for them. So Paul mentions them again in Romans, t- saying, listen, they're my co-laborers, and I love them, and I am just so thankful with it that they're there. And listen, It's one thing to pray for somebody, but it's another thing to risk your life to save them while they're preaching the gospel. This is what uh, Priscilla and Aquila did. They risked their lives to help advance the cause of the gospel um, to the masses. And so there's a decree from Emperor Claudius in Rome, and this forced Aquila to leave Rome. So he made this, this declaration that all Jews can't be in Rome. So there's a declaration from the emperor at the time that said, all Jews vacate the area. So Priscilla and Aquila had to leave Rome. And so now they're in Corinth and Paul joins them and he goes to work with them. So if you notice, Paul was a, was a man who knew how to use his hands. He was a tent maker by trade. So he was a bivocational minister. He worked a job and he preached the gospel. That's... That's what Paul did. And so they all had a job making tents. And so they gathered here and they worshiped and they proclaimed the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's look at verse um, 4. And Paul reasoned in the synagogues every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. And when Silas and Timothy arrived from Mesopotamia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook his garments and said to them, your blood is on your own heads. I'm innocent. From now on, I will only go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titus Justus, a worshiper of God. And his whole house um, there, he was next to the synagogue. Okay, so I I want us to unpack this and look at this. So um, we see that, that he's in the synagogue and he's attempting, as he always does in the synagogue, he's reasoning from the scriptures, he's using the Bible as his mechanism, the text, the scriptures, he's reasoning with them and saying, listen, The Old Testament pointed towards Christ. He was the Christ. Jesus was the Christ. The one you killed, he's the one who was the Christ. You need to repent and believe the gospel. So he's teaching and reasoning with them, those that are gathered in the synagogues. And he's trying to persuade both Greeks and Jews. So 
all groups of people is trying to reason whoever's present doesn't matter ethnicity background socioeconomic background he's saying listen i want you to know that christ can set you free and so he's trying to do that and listen that that's what we're to do that's what we as christians are to do we are trying from our side of things as believers in christ we are to try we are trying to persuade people to understand this idea of Christianity. The reason Frank flew in last week and stood and preached before you in the morning and in the evening is his job is to try to, as an evangelist, is trying to persuade people to understand the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's trying to help us understand and unpack and see from the text, Jesus is who he says he was. And so um, we are in, listen, you and I as Christians there's an ideological or, an, or a war of ideas that are happening right this very moment. And the battle is for the hearts and for the minds of men and women. And so we stand, I stand behind this sacred desk using the text to try to persuade men and women. Listen, follow Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through Him. That exclusive claim from Christ Jesus. So that's what Paul was doing in the synagogues. And then we jump in and we see verse 5 and 6. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Mesopotamia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying. And then what happens in verse 6? They opposed him and they reviled him. And what did he do? He didn't try to plead with them. They're like, listen, we oppose you. We can't stand your message. He wasn't going, listen, please listen. I know, golly, man. It's such a great message. Jesus got a plan for your life. Come on, listen. He didn't do that. He shook his garments off in disgust and said, listen, this is on you now. Your blood is on your hands. Paul did what he was supposed to do. He was obedient to his call and said, listen, I'm going to preach the gospel. If you don't want to listen, that's on you. That's on you. So that's what happens here. He's, he shakes his garments and he says, your blood is on your own heads. I am innocent. I'm innocent. He says, in essence, listen, I'm done trying to work with you. I'm done. Like he's, if you read throughout the text, how many times has this brother been thrown out of synagogues, beat, whipped up on, ostracized, made fun of, mocked? The, the, his own people, the Jews constantly are just saying, you're an idiot. You're a moron. And what does Paul do? Paul continues, please, please listen. He, he, he's, he's still preaching. He's trying to reason with them. And he goes to the Gentiles. Gentiles are like, awesome. I'm in. Let's get saved. Where do I get baptized? Where's water? The Jews are like, yeah, I don't know. So Paul, in his frustration here, says, listen, I'm done trying to do this with you. You want to be, you want to be dumb? I'll let you. And by the way, your blood's on your own heads, not me. Because here's the deal. Paul tried. And this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to try. Just where you, in the places where you are, try. Open your mouth and talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is your job. Just Because here's the deal. Caleb can't save you. You can't save anybody else. Amen? Like, you can't save anybody. It's Jesus that does the saving. You just have to be faithful to open the text and say, Thus saith the Lord about who he is. Here's what it is. And so, he tried, 
to, pro- to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to them, and he attempted to persuade them, but they didn't listen. He didn't give up, but he he said, "Listen, I'm just gonna I'm gonna move. I'm gonna do something different." Like Paul didn't scrap his ministry because people didn't listen. This is the world we live in today. Is we got preachers who don't you know? Oh, people aren't listening, so I guess I'm just not gonna preach anymore. That's not like listen. The world's not gonna listen most of the time. Man, there's even gonna be people in the church that aren't gonna listen. Paul didn't give up. Paul didn't say, you know what? I'm scrapping my ministry. I'm done. He just said, okay, your blood's on you. I'm going to go find somebody else. And so what does he do? I'm no longer going to do this. I'm innocent. For now I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titus Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next to the synagogue. Crispus, that's a fun name, right? Crispus, the the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. So he's got somebody on the inside of the synagogue that is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so his whole household is there. And so he goes in to this particular synagogue and he begins to preach. And what's this say? With his whole household and many of the Corinthians hearing Paul believed and were baptized. So there is, there are people that are being brought in. The increase of the church is happening. People are believing. They are getting baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid. Go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you or harm you. For I have many in the city who are mine. They're my people. And he stayed there a year and six months, so a year and a half, teaching the word of God among them. So we'll keep going here in a minute. But I, I want us to see this. He, he doesn't stop his ministry because a couple of people aren't listening. He just goes where people are going to listen. He just goes where people are going to listen. He didn't give up. Number one, he goes to where he's going to have the message received by those. Listen, that was his job. Jesus said, you're going to go preach my message to the Gentiles. And that's what he's doing. He goes to the Gentiles, number one. And then he surrounds himself with other believers as a source of edification and encouragement. This is what, listen, I want you to understand this. This is why the church is so important. This is why the church is so important. We gather here not primarily as an evangelistic outreach, although it's, it is part of it, but the primary mode of Sunday mornings is not an evangelistic arm. You are, you are to come here to get edified, encouraged, and recharged for the week, and then you as the church are to go out into the world and make disciples. The mistake that we make in the church oftentimes is like, well, we'll just bring the people in here. And let the pastor do that. Because, hey, it's the pastor's job to save people, not mine. No, ma'am, no, sir. It's the, pre- it's the pastor's job to evangelize, not me. No, sir, no, ma'am. That is all of us in this room. It is your job to evangelize. The scripture says in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said, go make disciples. He didn't say go make disciples if you're a preacher. Go make disciples if you're a Sunday school teacher. He didn't say that, amen? What's the text say? Go make disciples. That's it, period. So the evangelistic outreach in the church, although it's sometimes necessary, that's not the primary point of gathering on Sunday mornings. The primary purpose of Sundays is to worship the Lord Jesus 
edify the saints and to fellowship together. That's why you're here. To just sing praises to God, to worship, to pray, to come alongside one another and say, listen, I love you. I want to encourage you. I want to share, share with you the week that I've had. Man, it's been a week. Anybody had a week? <laughs> this is where we come and we pray for one another and we encourage one another in this place. That's why we gather here. We need each other. Like you and I need each other in this place. There's no such thing as Lone Ranger Christianity. I know that people say, oh, it's just me and Jesus. Well, that's not in the Bible. Not, not on this side of the grave. Now, there is going to come a day when it is just going to be you and Jesus. And you will just stand alone before him at the throne room, at the throne of judgment. And you're either under his mercy or under his wrath. That's when it's just you and Jesus. But today, you got to, we got each other. We come alongside. We spur one another on. We encourage one another on to love and a good works. That's what the text tells us. Now listen, Christians who surround themselves with people who are mission-minded and gospel-centered are more likely to step out and share their faith with others in their community. So it is important who you hang out with. If you're hanging out with people that have no desire to share the things of Jesus with the world, guess what? They're not going to listen, and they're not going to do it either. I'm like, well, hang out with, you know, Chuck down the street if you're Chuck here, and I'm not picking on you, just pull the name out of the hat. But hey, I hang out with Chuck, but Chuck doesn't have anything to do with the Lord. Guess what? More than likely, you're not going to either. But man, if you surround yourself with people that are hungry for the things of God, that are hungry for the Word of God, then guess what? This is what's going to happen is you're going to have a desire to want to share your faith because you see somebody else that's doing it. I'll never forget, man. I hung out with a guy one time. He was an evangelist. He came into town just for a weekend. And man, I watched him just... As we're eating dinner, he's asking the waitress questions. Interesting questions. Just mind-blowing questions. And then last weekend, um, we're eating dinner. Frank and I were eating dinner. And he starts just to begin to ask questions of the waitress we were having. And man, by the time she was very open. She said, listen, uh, I'm not a believer. But man, he tries to reason with her through the scriptures. Talk to her about who Jesus is. Reasons with her. And she was just like, well, thank you so much for sharing that with me. I really appreciate you taking time to do Like, he took 20 minutes. Like, we're, like, our food's getting cold, but he's, that brother's sharing the gospel. That's what we're supposed to do when we're engaging with somebody. George Whitfield said, it's a shame if I sit with you for more than half an hour and I don't talk about Jesus. If, if we're not talking about Christ, what, what should we, we should be talking about Jesus. Christians who surround themselves with those that are mission-minded will step out in their faith and share their faith as well. So it does matter who you hang out with. Amen? Amen? All right, let's look at verse 7. <clears throat> we'll start back at, back, we're going to look back at verse 7 again. He left there and went to the house of a man named Titus Justice, a worshiper of God, and it's the house was next to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogues, believed in the Lord together with his entire house. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to him, listen, do not be afraid. Go on speaking and don't be silent. Now listen, what's this application for us? Like, listen, you don't need to be afraid of what the world is going to throw at you. 
You and I don't need to be, like Paul had this word from Jesus. You've got it in written form. If you've got the, the, the red letter version of the Bible, you can see that that part of the text is in red because that's Jesus directly speaking to Paul saying, do not be afraid. Go on speaking and do not be silent. Like you and I cannot be afraid of what the world might think. That the world might think you're nuts. That you live biblically. Okay. Okay, they probably will. In fact, the Bible tells us that those that are outside of the cross believe that it's foolishness what we're doing here. That it's silly, that it's stupid. But those that are inside the cross, we know. But man, it's life everlasting. It's life everlasting. So what are we called to do? Just do what God's called you to do. Follow and believe what Christ has called you to do. Like, I love this verse. Do not be afraid. Did you know that the text, the scripture gives us over 365 verses that says from God, don't be afraid, fear not. Do not be afraid, fear not. Like that's, that should be our anthem. And in a season and life of fear, Christians should be a beacon of light that, that is, we don't, we're not afraid. We're not afraid of what might come because we know ultimately where we're going. Amen. Like we know where we're going. And so that's like that's a direct message from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's straightforward. Don't be afraid. Don't be silent. Keep speaking. God has made each of us in this room, each one of us in this room who follow and love the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been given a, a, an ability to do what we're called to do. The Lord Jesus Christ says, keep doing what you're doing. Keep following, keep speaking out, keep being bold in the places where you are, and keep doing what you're doing in order to propel the gospel into the atmosphere where you are. Like, listen, you and I have different spheres of influences. You're in places that I'm not in. You're in buildings that I'm not in. You're in work environments that I'm not in. But guess what? We all serve the same exact God. And he tells us, go and make disciples. This is why we gather together to encourage one another. Hey, man, don't give up. I know it seems dark. I know it feels dark. I know it seems crazy. But don't give up. Keep going. Keep moving. Keep trying. Amen? Keep going. Don't give up. That's what Paul was told to do. Don't be silent. And, so, and, and that's number one. And number two, surround yourself with other believers who are in town, who help you move closer to Jesus. That's Priscilla and Aquila. He's gathered around with them. And we know from Romans that, man, these guys are propelling the gospel as well. They're tent makers by trade, but they're evangelists in their hearts. They don't want to evangelize. So Paul surrounds himself with fellow believers, and together they push out this narrative. So we see Priscilla and Aquila, and then we see in the text where Silas and Timothy, they come in. Like they come in together and they begin to work together to share the good news of the gospel. It reminds me of Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12, where it says, And though one can be overpowered, over, one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him, but a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Now I know that that is a text that is used a lot in weddings, which it has application in weddings and in marriage. It does. But the overall application here is that together as believers with Christ in the middle of what we're doing, 
Where it's not easy to get, you will not be broken if Christ is in the middle of what you're doing. And, and God's doing things that are, that are going to blow your mind. And it just, he wants you, like, listen, he's like, he's invited you in on this. He's like, listen, you, you're in. You can be a part of this. Here's what you do. Here's your part to play. Now go play it well. Paul had a part to play. Silas had a part to play. Priscilla and Aquila had a part to play. Timothy had a part to play. And this is what God said. Okay, here's your jobs. Now go. Now now go. And and I know that this can be difficult. But God's doing things that are going to really blow your mind if you just slow down and pay attention. I love it. People are like, golly, I wish I could see miracles. Man, I wish I could see miracles. Well, if you just slow down for a second, you'd see them. If you just slow down for a second, you would see miracles. Amen? That are going on. Like, you'd see them. The, the miracles that are happening to encourage and help you see what God's doing in this, in this life. I'm telling you, if you just slow down for a second, you would. Um, this last week the, at the revival. So, we had a young man that was scheduled to, to do music. Uh, 4.15, he sends me a text. And he said, listen, man, I'm not feeling good at all. I'm just like, I'm not feeling good. I, I can't make it. I, I can't do it. And I was like, uh-oh. That's going to be a problem. Because we, we, we got a couple hundred people showing up. And man, we don't have any music. I, and we just, church, we like music. That's how we go. So I text my buddy Luke. And I was like, Luke, listen. I, I don't know. What, are you in t-? I said, are you in town? That's what I did. I texted him. I said, hey, are you in town? He said, yep. I said, man, here, and so I called him. I said, here's what I need. Man, the guy was going to do music. He bailed. Can you please come and, and just, man, I, five songs. I just need five songs. He's like, let me, let me talk to my wife, and I'll get back with you. A couple minutes later, I get a text that said, I'll be there in 45. Whew. Okay. I, whew, stress relief off. I was like, man. I don't have anybody here to play or sing. I was like, whew, this is going to be awkward. But he shows up. He brought his three, three of his kids with him. They, now, they got like 3,700 kids. I'm not joking. They got a ton of kids. And so he brought three of them with him. And his oldest son, Hunter, was with him. And they stayed. Like he said, man, I think I'm probably just going to play and leave. And I just wanted to bring the kids with me because tomorrow, the next morning he was leaving. Out. He's on the pipeline. Along with playing music, he's also a pipeline worker. So he's heading to Minnesota to go work. He was at his mom's house. And he's like, man, I just don't know if I should leave my, my, my family. I just don't know. But he brought three of his kids. And so he ate dinner, fellowshiped, hung out for a little bit, played music. And they ended up staying for the entire revival. Staying for the whole thing. Well, the next morning, I talked on the phone with Luke. And he's like, dude, I got something to tell you. He's like, what's up? He's like, um, so my son Hunter gave his heart to the Lord Jesus and was saved last night. His oldest son, Hunter, was saved. And he said, you know what's, gonna, you know what's mind-blowing? He's like, we were, my wife and I were struggling. We were trying to figure out how we're going to make it. Because I've been out of work for three weeks. And if you're on the pipeline, you know that, man, if you're not working, you're not, you're not getting paid. And so they hadn't been working for about three weeks or so. And so they were trying to figure out, crunch the numbers, how they're going to get Luke from Bartlesville, Oklahoma to Minnesota and still be able to pay bills and just eat and have food on the table. We crunched the numbers and tried to figure out what we need, what, what kind of cash we need. He goes, you're never going to believe this, Caleb, but uh, the, the amount of money you guys paid me in that love offering was the exact amount of money that we needed. Actually, it was $100 over what we needed to pay our bills and put groceries on the table. 
You know what's crazy? Is right before this, like, you, we're built by God for biblical community and be a part of one another and fellowship with one another. But so often what can happen is that we, we man, for a myriad of reasons, we, we don't want to be a part of it. And that was what Luke said. He said, you know what's crazy, Caleb, is that I was making all kinds of excuses why I shouldn't go. I made all every excuse under the sun, man. I got to work in the morning. I'm going to be away from my family. I, don't, I really don't want to. I don't want to drive. I'm already going to be driving. I don't want to drive again. And he said, I made all kinds of excuses as to why I shouldn't go. And this is just proof. This is what he said. This is just proof that we need to stop making excuses and just say yes when God opens the doors for us to do something to advance the kingdom. Amen? Like, that's what we're called to do. And listen, he had an opportunity to be like, well, you know what? Every... And nobody would have faulted him if he, if he had said no. Listen, I'm at home with my family. I really don't want to drive. Nobody would have faulted him for that. But guess what? Because, because he said, okay, God, I'm, I'm going I'm to trust you. Not only was the, the amount of money that was needed for him to pay his bills and put groceries on his table there, the cherry on top, his son gets saved. Can you put a price on that? Can you put a price on that? No. Like this is, this is why it is so important for us to be engaged and be a part of a biblical community. Like these, like everybody can have an excuse why we don't want to be here. Like I get it. Tired. I don't want to be a part of this. These all, and, and all these excuses that we have is I don't want to go. I'm busy. I'm tired. I don't have time. I'd rather stay at home and do something else. All these seem like valid realistic real reasons why we shouldn't be a part of a biblical community but i'm telling you at the end of the day that's not going to hold water with the lord jesus christ how can i tell you that because hebrews chapter 10 tells us exclusively do not forsake the gathering together of the saints as the habit of some have been but as you see the day beginning to approach all the more what Encourage one another with these things. That means in order to encourage one another, you've got to be in the room with each other. Amen? You've got to be a part of a biblical community. You've, you've got to be. We're, we're built to be in, in community regardless of how you feel. Now, and listen, how many of you in, in the room, when you don't feel like being here, but yet you still come, how many of you get a bigger blessing? Come on. Come on. You're like, man, I don't know. But then you get here and then God's like, listen, I got something for you. Woo, all right. Hot dog, right? Like that's, how many times has that happened? Now, listen, like we're, 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 we're called to be in community and I'm not, now listen, I don't want you to mistake community for networking. I'm not talking about networking. Networking, although sometimes is useful, networking is shallow and superficial. Like, you and I need men and women who we can bleed with at the end of the day. We need men and women that we can bleed with and who will take a bullet for us. And maybe you're going to take a bullet for somebody. Well, I talked about Dennis Nix this morning. I got a text message from a friend, mutual friend saying he got this heart attack. Man, when I found out he was in the hospital, it was 7 a.m., but I was ready to go. I walked out the door, went to the hospital, walked into the CCU, and said, man, where's Dennis? And I said, he's down there. Walked in. Peggy grabbed me around the neck. She goes, you don't know what it means that you're here. 
thank you, cried with me. And then I woke Dennis up, said, hey, brother, I'm here. And he's like, Caleb. What's up, brother? Can I pray with you? Absolutely, please do. Prayed with Dennis, prayed with his wife, prayed with his kids. Like, that's a friend when you're in the middle of the trenches and it's just nasty. Like, everybody wants to be around when it's, hang- when it's party. But man, when it's, a- when it's a rough, man, he's in the hospital. Man, I, I really don't... I really don't want to go. Should I? Should I not? I don't know. Listen, if the Holy Spirit prompts you to go, you should go. And when I found out where he was, the Holy Spirit said, go. And I said, okay, I'm going to go. And man, it was a blessing to be able to pray alongside him and and pray with his wife. This is biblical community. And once we truly encounter biblical community like this, we're we're going to be genuinely satisfied in our souls. And what we need to do as Christians is we need to make it our goal to find genuine community, biblical community, where we can thrive with one another, encourage with one another, pray with one another, hold each other where we need to, cry when we need to. Just maybe we need to just, listen, how many of y'all just need somebody to come over and vent to every once in a while? Okay, it happens. We, we just need somebody to vent with. I mean, that's, that's what we need. Because, listen, you and I are going to go through dark days. And you say, well, Caleb, I'm not needing dark days right now. Well, praise the Lord. That is a grace from Jesus. You should thank him. But listen, there's coming a day when it's going to get dark. And, and you're going to need somebody to come alongside you and encourage you and challenge you and give you encouragement and prayers. You're going to need that. Yes, you're going to have mountaintop experiences. But... You're also going to have deep, dark valley moments. And they're going to be gut-wrenching valley moments. But, and this is where you're going to need something more than just a kitschy saying to get you, you know, through the bump. Oh, listen, Jesus is there. All things work together. Have a good time. Okay. Well, my heart's literally laying on the floor right now. I need something more than just a little kitschy saying and a little, oh, be encouraged, brother. I might need somebody to cry with. I might need somebody to some like some ugly snot cries. Anybody? We go, Caleb, you ugly snot cries? Sometimes. Sometimes. We need one another. You're going to need Jesus. And oftentimes, we find Jesus in the middle of biblical community. Oftentimes, you're going to find Christ in the midst of biblical community. Amen? Amen. All right, let's keep going. Look at verse 12 through 17. Because, listen, here's, I love this part here. Because remember, what did Jesus just tell Paul? Don't be quiet. Keep going. Don't be afraid. I'm going to be with you. There's people in the city. I got you. Verse 12. But when Galileo was proconsul of Archea, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, This man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth and defend himself, this is that he was about to talk, Galileo said to the Jews, If It were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews. I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since this matter is just a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, see to it yourself. I refuse to judge of these things. And he drove them out of the tribunal 
And they seized Silotheans, the ruler of the synagogue, and they beat him in front of the tribunal instead. So the plan was, listen, we're going to beat Paul. Well, we can't beat him, so we're going to grab the next best thing. Where whoever this fellow is, we're going to take him, beat the thunder out of him in front of the tribunal. But Galileo paid no attention to any of this. I love this. I'm telling you, um, when the enemy attacked, when, he, when those attacks come, you're going to need the fellowship of the believers. I've never been around anybody in all my years of ministry, I've never been around anybody that's like, you know what, I love being out here when I'm being attacked. I love being alone when it's, when it's tough. I love being alone when it's hard. I love being alone when things are just going awful. We want brothers and sisters around us to encourage us. How many of you love getting a phone call or a text message or a knock on the door that says, listen, I just, the Holy Spirit prompted me to come visit. I'm, I'm here to come visit. How can I pray for you? How can I help you? How many of you love getting a phone call? Any of those things. Y'all love those things? That's biblical community. And I'm telling you, when the attack of the enemy comes, you're going to need the fellowship of the believers. You will need each other. And rather than trying to destroy each other, we need to be trying to build each other up. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says, Let there be no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up and fit for the occasion. That it may give grace to those who hear. Are the things that you're saying, are they giving grace to those that are hearing? Are they building each other up? Are they building you up? Or are they tearing you down? In the midst of an attack the enemy, from the enemy, we need folks who are in our camp who are going to be willing and able to speak grace-filled words. They might be truth-filled words, but they are grace, they are seasoned with grace. I'm not talking about, we could speak truth to each other. We could tell each other if you're wrong, but don't do it in such a way that's, listen, don't be like the people who can't, you know, Job's friends. Job's friends showed up and, listen, what'd you do to tick God off? What kind of sin you got in your life? No, and don't, don't be like, don't be like Job's wife. Hey, just listen, curse God and die. Don't be that, don't be that friend. Be a friend who's willing to come in and speak truth that's seasoned with grace. Amen? Got, got a couple on that. Maybe y'all like to just throw bombs. I don't know. Like, if we need to be corrected, we need to do it in love. We don't need to be do it in hopes of being proven right. I heard once a guy say one time, we as Christians are the only guys that shoot our wounded. Oh, he's down? Hang on just a second. Let me punt him through the uprights. No. Like I said before, we need people in our lives who are going to be willing to bleed with us if we need to. Cry with us when necessary. Rejoice with us when the occasion calls for it. We need to surround ourselves with people who are going to point us towards the Lord Jesus Christ and spur us on towards holiness and righteousness by reading His Word. So let me just bring it into the room here, okay? We've been talking high level, talking scriptures. Let's just bring it into the room here. You, look, you need your neighbor. You need your brother and sister in Christ. We need each other. We need each other. And, and if we avoid or ignore the fact, um, the fact of the matter is that if we avoid each other and we ignore each other and we don't get around one another, that's to our own detriment. That's to our own detriment. 
We were built by God for biblical community. And listen, and it ends up causing damage to our own soul if we're not around each other. Because listen, I know that there's days where you're just like, listen, it's been an exhausting day at work. I just want to close my eyes, close my door, shut up my phone, and not talk to anybody. Anybody ever felt that? Okay. Steve, Steve and I are the only ones honest in the room. Okay, fair enough. But listen, there might be a day when you just need to, like, you might get a phone call from somebody and they might be on the edge of the abyss and you might be the only thing that gets them through. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you might be the only one that gets them through by just saying, listen, I know, I know where you're at. I know it's rough. I know it's bad. But guess what? Jesus is, Jesus is still good. He's got, Jesus is more than enough. He's got you. Christ has got you. And we encourage one another all the more. As Hebrews chapter 10, we encourage each other all the more. That's, when it's dark, I know we don't want to encourage it. Like, listen, I have a little bit of pessimistic side. Like I, there's a, I got some tin foil, you know, ready to go and put it on my head if I need to. I got a little conspiracy theory. I mean, amen, Kylie. All right, she's smiling. I got a little conspiracy theory, but listen, we need some good news, amen. And we've got it right here in front of us. Here's the bottom line: is Christ wins, amen. Jesus wins in the end. We need each other, and if we're not. It's our own damage to our own souls. This is the example that Paul puts before us in the text. This is what we see here in just a few chapters, few verses that Paul surrounds himself with people who spur him on to go share the gospel, go do what Christ has called you to do, live for the gospel, and even if you get beat up, I'm here. Because listen, we all we saw throughout all the texts. I mean, we're at chapter 18. We got 17, 18 chapters behind us where we see. Paul and his bro- all these brothers getting beat up. And listen, you might die. That's the truth. Christians, there are more Christians who die today for the cause of the gospel than did in this day. They're killing them, throwing off rooftop, rooftops in, in the Middle East. That's happening. But this is the example that Paul puts before us is listen. Community matters. Biblical community matters. And if you're in the midst of it, they're gonna, it's going to spur you on to want to reason with people that are around you for the cause and the name of Christ. That's what we're called to do. That's what the text tells us to do. Get around men and women who love the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a result of getting around those people who love the Lord Jesus Christ, then go out and make disciples. Amen? That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. And listen, we saw a little bit of that. I told you one story of one family that was impacted, one young man that was impacted because his dad, even though he argued with himself to come and be a part of something, he still did it anyways. And guess what? There was a blessing on the other side of that. I'm telling you, there's a blessing on the other side of the thing you think you don't want to be at. Just follow him, obey him, listen to Christ. He's, he's got something for you. You just got to, like, it's right here. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. That's it. It's right here in front of us. Trust Jesus today. Amen? Well, let's stand together. You've been listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. 
you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry of First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarville, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarville, Kansas 67024. God bless you.